Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I really felt a strong um, pressure to sort of stay quiet, and I didn't know how to talk about it, how to talk about it on Facebook, how to talk about it publicly. And so that is something I think we are still navigating and learning how to do as a culture. Emily Carrington is talking about a topic that we don't discuss much in our culture, the topic of early pregnancy loss. Emily is director of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association, and she is today's guest on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad to have you with us on Life Support. And what we do on this podcast is we talk about how Jesus intervenes in trauma and suffering and how we as believers can support each other. And I hope you'll be encouraged today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Emily Carrington. She's the executive director of Early Pregnancy Loss Association. And I'm so glad you're with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So um, you're in Michigan. Um, and I've got to ask, um, Michigan or Michigan State? Ohio State. Ohio State. Now, that doesn't fit the Michigan narrative at all. No, no, I mean, not at all. But my husband, I would probably leave me if I know he would. Uh, but we were born and raised Ohioans um, and lifelong Ohio State fans. We live just over the border. Uh, into enemy territory. So we are Ohio State all the way. Well, nobody's perfect. And you know, you have to hide things sometimes from others in order to get by. So thanks for sharing that with me. We'll keep that confidential on our end for sure. All right. Tell me a little bit about Early Pregnancy Loss Association. Uh, Emily, what kinds of things does this organization do? And how did you get started and get involved with them? Yes. So the organization is only about five years old. And I'll start, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, a group of us came together about six or seven years ago. We were all a group of lost moms. We had had our own losses. Uh, I was particularly in a place following two first trimester losses, uh, just really trying to work through what I had experienced and how can I help others? And what we saw, this was you know seven years ago, eight years ago, that there really wasn't a lot out there. I wanted to pay it forward and to make a donation in memory of my little ones. Um, I went through a whole lot of confusion about what happened and what these words were. And we were just seeing over and over again, there, there wasn't a lot available, at least not in Southern Michigan at small hospitals. So we got together and we started talking and what we realized was there's a whole lot more to do and that we could do it. So that was sort of the birth of the idea of Early Pregnancy Loss Association. Um, so I'm not sure if I got involved in it or it got involved in me. <laughs> it's sort of, we, you know, it sort of came from a group of us. So I am uh, I am the co-founder and the founding president, actually, um, five years ago. We came together as an organization. 
with the vision that no one suffers pregnancy loss alone. So many of us felt like we had gone through the same sort of isolating and confusing experience. So we can unpack a little more about the middle, but I'm gonna fast forward to what we do today. We now supply um, over a thousand miscarriage care kits a year, primarily throughout Southern Michigan and the Detroit area, but around the whole country. Uh, these care kits are designed to be a real physical assistance um, in a really vulnerable time. So we don't just provide comfort items and memory items, but we also provide sanitary items. Uh, we have two different kits. We have a small kit intended for a woman who's probably already passed the baby, but we also have a large kit that is intended for a woman who's going to labor at home. And we provide those, like I said, throughout Southern Michigan, Ohio, and throughout the country. We will ship them anywhere they're requested. So that is our main um, work, what we do. We also are really committed to education and making sure women understand what has happened to them. So included in the kits, we have small miscarriage, or we have brochures that explain the definitions very quickly and succinctly about what's a miscarriage, what's a missed miscarriage, what's an ectopic pregnancy to help these women better understand. Um, and it's also important for us to get them resources. So we additionally, we have a blog, we have a podcast, we work, um, do a lot of networking work because what we found is there were organizations out there, not very many, um, there have been more in the last eight years, um, but there really needed to be a strong effort to um, unite and connect. A lot of these women with early loss were falling through the cracks and not getting connected to the resources. So you mentioned that many of these women go through this experience alone. Why is that? So miscarriage is the first trimester or second trimester loss up until 20 weeks. Any So miscarriage is kind of, it's not a medical word. It's kind of the big, broad, any loss pre-20 weeks. And I think there's a couple reasons uh, these early losses end up so isolated. This is a period of pregnancy. When I was pregnant with my first pregnancy in 2014, uh, it was definitely the expected societal norm to not talk about that pregnancy until I was 12 or 13 weeks. Uh, and there was sort of an understanding that you don't announce your pregnancy in case you miscarry, then you don't have to announce your miscarriage. So I did that. I didn't announce my pregnancy. Just a handful of people knew, family, couple people at work, and some really close friends. Well, then I found myself announcing my miscarriage because suddenly I had to take a whole week off of work um, and, and life was sort of, it was getting too complicated. And then I was grieving alone because all of these people didn't even know I was pregnant. Yeah. So I didn't see how keeping it a secret helped anything. And there were a lot of people that I think would have been willing to support and wanting to support us, uh, but they didn't even know. So I think that one reason they're so lonely is because we are just so quiet about the first trimester. The other reason I think is these aren't always things that happen with big medical events. They are sometimes, uh, but often doctors don't see 
women until they're eight or even 12 weeks along. So a woman might be miscarrying before she's even established care with her OB or seen him for the first time. So now she's in the ER. The ER doctors are concerned about other things, assuming she is stable, and she's not necessarily getting the support she needs. Um, and then that ties into maybe her friends don't know, maybe her family don't know um, that was, she was even pregnant, let alone that she was losing the baby, which has been part of our problem. It's hard to connect. We, we want to find you, and it's hard for us to connect uh, because this isn't later losses end up in the hospital, end up in the OB clinics. Um, and there's been so much work done uh, for labor and delivery nurses to provide services. And, and that is amazing. And we have a little bitter, bigger challenge. And I think the third reason, and I don't know that these are all neatly in their categories. I think they're all braided together, right? I think the third reason it is so challenging is because it's just become the cultural norm to not talk about it. And I do think that in the last 10 years that that has gotten better, but I think that has been a very new, um, maybe onslaught of social media, upcoming of a new generation, um, new ways to talk about it. We have blogs, we have podcasts, we talk about everything now. And I think that that's good, but I think that there was, I really felt, a strong um, pressure to sort of stay quiet. And I didn't know how to talk about it, how to talk about it on Facebook, how to talk about it publicly. And so that is something I think we are still navigating and learning how to do as a culture. Pastor Paul will be back with Emily Carrington in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And there's a new video series from Five Stone Media called Caring for Mental Health, created to start the conversation and eliminate the stigma. It's practical steps all of us can take to come alongside those who suffer. It's real stories of real people with commentary from mental health professionals and pastors. Caring for Mental Health is offered at no cost and facilitator training is offered at lifesupportresources.org, lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. New ways to talk about it. We have blogs, we have podcasts, we talk about everything now. And I think that that's good, but I think that there was, I really felt a strong, um, pressure to sort of stay quiet. And I didn't know how to talk about it, how to talk about it on Facebook, how to talk about it publicly. And so that is something I think we are still navigating and learning how to do as a culture. Is that because it's such a personal thing? Or is it because it's messy enough where people just don't like, like, you know, stay away kind of thing? Right. That's a great question. And I think, I think everyone's going to be different on that. And I think one thing that's important to us is not to overstep and make someone talk about it that doesn't want to talk about it. Everyone's going to grieve differently or experience grief differently. But there's other very personal things we experience that we have a cultural script for. So 
Well, when you go through the death of a husband or father or mother or sister, you, you don't, that's very, very personal. Um, but there's a script and there's a place for privacy and there's a place for public grieving as well. And that's not quite the same with miscarriage. And one thing I want to challenge and have been thinking about lately is I get the, I get the urge to want to protect her privacy and her dignity, but ignoring her doesn't do that. It, it leaves her not just alone, it, it leaves her in a very vulnerable and, and dangerous sometimes situation. Um, we don't always understand. It's, miscarriage can be very messy. Um, it can be like literally. Uh, my, my second miscarriage was more like the birth of my live children than it was like a heavy period. Um, and while I understand that, um, you know, menstruation talk isn't something we really wanna do, we do talk about the birth of our children and, and there's a place for that. Uh, you know, before I had my children, no, I didn't sit and talk to my friends at the dinner table necessarily about what it was going to look like and all the gruesomeness, but I went to a class at the hospital and they told me all of the details, right? And, and even if they were cringing and I was prepared, uh, so many women when they ask a doctor what's going to happen, what is a miscarriage, they're almost given, I've heard, you know, story after story where they're just given, you know, not enough information about what this might look like. And I was, I was very shocked. And that doesn't help. They're not prepared. They don't have the materials they need. Uh, and they don't, they're, and that just adds, I think, to the trauma and the experience for the, and for any of her support people. So now suddenly, um, you know, you've got, you know, I, it, it is much more vulnerable and intimate than, than you're prepared for because you weren't prepared for the experience in the same way you might be prepared for a live birth. So I think it's important that we, in the right context, talk about both the physical thing that's going to happen, as well as understanding the grief that's going to happen. I think, too, we've learned so much about first the first trimester. I have pictures of my little ones. I saw a heartbeat at seven weeks. Those are not things that my mother and grandmother had access to. Mm -hmm. So I think getting that insight and giving that personhood in the first trimester, understanding that personhood is a really sort of important part. And I think I veered away from what your original question no, was. No, that's, no, that's very good, actually. And, and it, it's very interesting that you mentioned that because obviously um, our country's been in the middle of an abortion battle for uh, decades now. Um, and it's now really just basically moved from the federal level to the state level. And for a long time, the question was, when does life begin? And now it's gone, I think, veered more into a woman's rights issue and things like that. But the when does life begin question is really interesting to me because I've done memorial services for children that have been born in miscarriages. And you almost get the sense of the people that come, it's like they almost roll their eyes. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, I mean, you name that child? Like, and, and there's this almost this cultural push against that. And 
it's always fascinated me because as as a, as a Christian, you know, I believe that life is in the womb. And so I never really even question that. Is, is this kind of some of the things you run into as well? Well, I, I think it is difficult. I think it's interesting. I think it's, I have a lot of thoughts. That's why I'm sort of slow to think slow to talk here. I don't have any thoughts, but you can just feel free to fill them all in. I, there are so many parents who are longing for that closure and a way to honor and remember their babies. And there's, there is evidence of funerals, of, of burials. Um, many, many parents, um, find that need. I remember my own experience just feeling lost and sort of floating. And a friend of mine said, do something to remember the baby. Just do something. You know, she said, whatever your cup of tea is, I, you know, let go of a balloon or um, light a lantern or just do something. And I remember now I'm like, well, of course, just do something. That's, that's what I spend all day thinking about. But I remember that moment it was like a light bulb went off and I felt so much relief. Like I can do something to remember that baby and to give that baby a place. Um, so we did do a very small, I did not have the opportunity to bury any of my babies. So I have talked to women who have um, even very early have buried them in cemeteries. And I think one of our most read blog posts is how to bury your baby. And which I think says something that that's, it just continues to get um, people find it and read it. So that's something that parents really long for. And I wish it was something we, when people ask that we could even provide clearer answers. We, because, you know, some cemeteries require a death certificate, pre 20 weeks, there doesn't tend to be a death certificate. So sometimes I do think the that the miscarriage it gets tangled and realizing that there's parents who really really want to honor and remember and give space for so and that that's a really important part for me that's been an important part of healing uh, even though we didn't have the opportunity to bury uh, to, to give that space and remembrance and to, to not let them be forgotten. Uh, so, you know, one of our core values is, you know, we, we, um, we want to, we want to stay focused on miscarriage care. That's what we do. Uh, but, but our first core value is life affirming. And we believe that to, that, that we want to affirm that mother who is feeling that deep grief, um, and that this is a loss and that it is okay to move forward. And I think that that's, I think that's changing and I think that's getting better. And I think, um, like I said, I think it's something people want. Yeah, I think so. Emily Carrington is our guest and she is the executive director of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. Friends have to walk through these events with um in situations where they may not know, not know what to say, um, what do I do? Do I talk about it? Don't I talk about it? What are some rules of the road for people that are kind of, you know, in that journey or on that journey with these women? 
Right. So this first one's going to sound like I'm punting, but I'm not. <laughs> of course, be kind um, and realize, I think part of it is just realizing what she's going through. Like we said, the silence around it has made it a challenge to know that she's experiencing a deep emotional event as well as a deep physical event. And some of the things that really just blessed me along the way, uh, when we got home from the doctor's office, a friend had dropped off a bag of groceries, some chicken, some veggies, you know, she didn't bother me about it. She didn't, she didn't ask exactly what I needed, but she knew I needed food um, and that I probably wasn't gonna run to the grocery store that night. And that was a really big, really big help. And, and things like that. People brought us meals, um, you know, and, and understanding. Maybe they want the meals at the door. Maybe they don't want to talk about it. Following their lead, asking, you know, how are you feeling? Do you, do you want to talk about it? Did you name the baby? Using the baby's name if they did name the baby. Mm -hmm. If they've invited you to the funeral or the burial, go. Um, if they, you know, give them space. Uh, one of our favorite things uh, that we think helps the most, of course, is sending one of our miscarriage care kits. And that can do a lot of talking for you. You contact us, you email us, you, we send it to your friend. Um, and they don't, you know, you don't even, you don't have to talk or you can talk. It might open a door to talk. So those are the things um, that we think that are just by providing those physical services. Do they have other children? Do they need you to watch their children? Um, do they need some space? And even after the event, do they need some space? I think one thing we think about grief is the event happens and then we move on. <laughs> and, um, or after the event, they don't need it. But do they need, do they need a minute to go get a cup of coffee and feel okay? Um, take their other children. So those are some things, um, you know, and if you think you said something silly, send them an email and say, sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to, you know, just be kind. Those are things, I have never been offended by someone who says, oh my goodness, I didn't mean to offend you, did I offend you? And normally the answer is you didn't, but um, <laughs> I am, if you did, I am certainly even less offended by your carefulness to to tend to my feelings uh, because there's a lot of, you might not mean to offend. She might be very yeah. angry, very sad. Um, so there's a lot of things that can, it, it can be really messy, uh, but letting her know you love her and that you love her baby is going to go a long way. It kind of sounds like bottom line too, is just take it seriously. Like, like, like tune in. Yes. 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 And I think, right. And I think that's maybe what we've done wrong. Um, it's, we've assumed that it's private and she doesn't want to talk about it. And then instead of giving her that space, we've just moved on past it. Um, I went to work two days after my DNC. I had a DNC on Friday and I showed up Monday and I had a wonderful work environment and a wonderful boss who would have given me as much time as I needed, but I didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that was sort of informed by the thing you do is move on. Mm -hmm. So I did. Um, and then realizing that that wasn't, it wasn't going away. <laughs> it wasn't something I could just move on from. Yeah. So um, I think those are important things to realize. I think that's a great way of saying it. Take it seriously. Well, 
We're going to have you back again, and I want to talk to you about um, how this all plays out in a church setting. But tell me again how to get a hold of the Early Pregnancy Loss Association. It's the best way to find us is uh, to email us at miscarriagecare at gmail.com. Or you can find our website, which is also miscarriagecare.com, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, EPLA or Early Pregnancy Loss Association. Message us through any of those. We keep a tight eye on all of those. So anytime you need us, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, I'm alone and I've had some things happen to me, even if it's not this particular kind of an event. I just want to encourage you that the Lord does see you and he does know you. And I think of Psalm 147, verse 3. It's very simple. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And some of the events that we've talked about today are are difficult wounds to bear. And friends that walk alongside have a difficult time knowing what to say or what not to say. And maybe you are even feeling, I don't even know what I should be feeling. But God does. And God is with you, and you are not alone. And so I just want to encourage you with that today, that whatever space you're in, in your life, that God sees you, and he loves you, and he created you. And so I want to thank all of our sponsors that make this uh, program possible. Faith Radio at faithradio.com has been wonderful. You can see a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. And check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. And we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.